We're on chapter 8 of the, of the book, if you have the book. Um, Proverbs and the Wisdom Books. Proverbs and the Wisdom Books. Um, something I want to mention from the very first week we had class, a correction that I want to make. If you have your notes, um, if not, you can go back and make them. But we had talked about the, the goal of Scripture, and we had worded it, it was worded in your notes, that the goal of Scripture was holy heartburn or the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that should be a goal or a major goal of Scripture. Um, we weren't saying that that was the only goal of Scripture, but that that um, part of what God is trying to do with Scripture is to sanctify us and to um, challenge our hearts, um, more our, our, our whole selves, with conviction of sin. And so that's something that is important to correct. We come to Proverbs today, and, and wisdom literature is more than Proverbs, but it includes the Proverbs. What are some Proverbs that we have in just our culture? Just call, like, look before you leap. What does that mean? Research before you make a decision. We're not actually saying to look before you jump off a cliff. We're, we're, we're saying some other truth, right, out of that. What are some other Proverbs that we have in our culture? Hindsight is twenty twenty. That one's just annoying uh, because it's so true. Okay, You can look back and see what you should have done, but that's how we learn. Never kiss a pig. Fred, you're wonderful. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Okay, any others? An apple a day keeps the doctor away. I'm not literally thinking an apple is somehow a cure to everything, but staying healthy. Any others? One or two more. Proverbs. Okay, so to gain wisdom, walk with the wise. He who walks with us. Sure, absolutely. A rolling stone gathers no moss. Now, that's probably not intended to teach us how to roll a stone down a mountain. But it's talking about staying active and moving forward. John, lay down with dogs, you get up with fleas. There you go. The, the company we keep rubs off on us. And so we, we, have, we, we understand Proverbs. We use them. And, and there's a number of things we learn from those Proverbs that as we look at the wisdom literature, we want to understand. Um, a quote that I really liked from the book, um, most say, oh well, live and learn, but wisdom says, no well, learn and live. Catch that? Most say, oh well, live and learn. Something happens, oh well. Um, but wisdom says, no well, learn ahead of time, learn and live. And that's the approach we want to take to the wisdom literature. That's why God has them in his inspired word is he is passing on wisdom that helps us know how to live. What is wisdom literature? Um, the Hebrew word for wisdom is hakma, and it describes someone who is both knowledgeable and skillful in craft, which we talked about a little bit as it applies to God this morning, that he is able to apply knowledge in a, in a skillful and knowledgeable way. But for us, it's, it's a very practical thing that says, how do we take knowledge and apply it to life? Biblical wisdom essentially involves knowledge and skill in the art of godly living. Now, you can have wisdom in all kinds of things, how to build a chair, how to drive. But in this case, when we look at the wisdom literature in Scripture, it's how do we live skillfully and knowledgeably for God? Um, how do we live in the art of godly living? So we, we find that the wisdom literature covers a lot of practical issues. How to make godly choices in life. And so in the wisdom literature, we'll, we'll, you'll read things about lending and borrowing money, saving money, making friends, wrestling with life's bigger questions. Why does God allow certain things? Training children, disciplining, impurity, faithfulness, marriage, and so much more. It's just a variety of topics 
that are how to apply godly truth to living real life. When we talk about um, the wisdom literature, we're really talking about four Old Testament books. Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. Job, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. They're all very different books, and we'll talk about that in, in a moment. But we approach these books as wise advice from God. A, a teacher's manual on how to live for God. So some guidelines, because we have to read these a little differently than we would read some other passages of Scripture. The first guideline, the goal of wisdom literature is to apply the Word of God to practical living. The goal of wisdom literature is to apply the Word of God and godly principles to practical living. They help us make wise, godly choices in the practical aspects of life. They encourage us to use broad biblical principles and apply them to the specifics of our own life and our own experiences. And so we'll get things like um, warnings against being idle and what happens if we're idle and we don't work. We'll get things of what warnings of what happens when we let our tongues just go without insight or without control. The next point is, is one of the most important points, especially with understanding Proverbs. The, goal, or the wisdom books are not a collection of universal promises. The wisdom books are not a collection of universal promises. They were not read that way by the original hearers. The, the genre was understood as maxims or proverbial wisdom, wisdom that is generally true. But we can, we can claim things as promises and get ourselves into trouble. One of the common ones is Proverbs 22.6. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And if we take that as a general principle, we know that if we train someone to follow God, if we train our children to love God, to honor His Word, that generally when they're old, they won't depart from it. There may be some times of questioning, but they'll come back to it. Is that an absolute promise? No. Proverbs are, are not tended to be absolute promises, but a general truth that we follow. And so we could, as parents, beat ourselves up with that or, or just be angry at God for somehow not abiding by his word. But in this genre, that's not a promise, but a principle. It's a general principle of, of wisdom. Another verse, similar case. Proverbs 16.3, Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. The word for established there, if some of you have NIV or another translation, is translated succeed. And so the proverb is, if you commit your ways to the Lord, it will succeed. And so that means I can try anything I want and, and commit it to God and it'll work, right? No, we have to understand first what it means to commit your way to the Lord. Fall under His wisdom and fall under His instruction. But it's a general principle that it will be established or succeed. There are times when, according to God's will, there are Christians that are committing their ways to God that are suffering, that are going through hardship in life. Does that mean God broke his promise? No, this is a general principle of wisdom, not a guarantee from God, not a legal guarantee. So that's important for understanding wisdom literature as we read it. Third point, the wisdom books are insightful and guidelines for the development of godly character. They're insight, the, the wisdom books are insights and guidelines for the development of godly character. It was a collection of things that a father might teach his son. 
or that a parent might teach their child for how to live an appropriate life. How to live a godly life. One that has godly character. So as we study them, we want to study them with that in mind. What do these say about what a person with godly character lives like? Look for practical, thoughtful contributions to your spiritual growth. You know, if it, if it says that wisdom does this, then that's a, an insight into what godly living is like and following God's wisdom and, and the, the, the one who is all wise. And so there are insights and guidelines for the development of godly character. Fourth, to, as we understand Proverbs, we need to understand that wisdom literature often uses figurative imagery. Wisdom literature often uses figurative imagery. As all the Proverbs you said, all of the Proverbs you said that are in our, our culture used figurative imagery. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember all of them right now that you said, but when we think in times of a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush, does that really mean we should go grab birds? No, it's using imagery to say, take what you know and you're able to, to accomplish rather than dream of something else that you can't accomplish or, or chase something else and let the, the bird in your hand go. And so it's using imagery. Proverbs does the same thing. In Proverbs 15, 19, the way of the sluggard is like a hedge of thorns, but the path of the upright is a level highway. It's imagery, and, and we all we intuitively know this about Proverbs, don't we? No one reading that verse has ever come to me and says, I don't understand, I know this lazy person, and he doesn't have a wall of thorns in front of his car. No one's ever come to me and said, said that, because the imagery says when we're slothful, when we're a sluggard, when we're lazy, it's like having a hedge of thorns in front of us, which impedes your progress. It makes it harder to move forward. It's challenging, and so... The, the, the imagery there is that being lazy and being a sluggard hinders you in life, whereas the path of the upright, the one that's seeking wisdom, is like a level highway, no obstacles. Now, again, it's not a guarantee. There are times that you are walking with God and life just hits you with all kinds of obstacles. And James says, consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of various kinds. And so we have general truths that, that help us know how to live in a godly way. As we look at the four books, um, Job's, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Song of Solomon, they're very different. And how we read them, we need to read them differently. So understand the differences between the wisdom books. First one I want to talk about is Proverbs. Proverbs is proverbial wisdom or maxims. It, it gives a basic rational approach to life. In general, this is how life works. These are the, the basic truths of life. These, um, the, a proverb is usually concise. It's, it's short. It's memorable, something that sticks in your mind. It's simple but profound all at the same time. And so it, it isn't designed to cover every contingency and every possibility, but be a simple, concise, memorable, profound expression of a truth. These proverbs were actually used in ancient Israel to help train their young men on the mental skills and the, the way to live wisely. And so this was a common thing that their culture used to train their young people of, of how to live, what, what good living looks like. Um, Proverbs often state the wise observations, but with a sense of certainty and authority. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. And as long as we remember it's a general truth, 
we understand what they're trying to accomplish. The other thing to look for as you look through Proverbs is that Proverbs often is comparing and contrasting, actually, a life of folly with a life of wisdom. And man, is that convicting sometimes. When we say, okay, what am I doing? Is it falling into the the area and the arena of folly, or is it falling into the arena of wisdom? And so, as you read Proverbs, be thinking that. Be thinking, okay, is this describing folly? Is this describing wisdom? What is it saying about the contrast between the two? Um, In your notes, you also see that um, something that Pastor Andrew talked about when he looked at Psalms, Proverbs often follows the the principles of poetry, um, particularly parallelism, and and three kinds of parallelisms in general. And, And what we mean by parallelism is, if you notice, Proverbs often have two phrases. And those two phrases are intentionally put together to show a truth, either by by um, expanding that truth or reasserting that truth, which we would call synonymous parallelism. And an example of that would be Proverbs 7, 4. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call insight your intimate friend. So say to wisdom, you are my sister, call insight your intimate friend. Saying the same thing in parallel, synonymous parallelism, where they're reaffirming each other, where insight um, corresponds to wisdom, an intimate friend corresponds to your sister or someone that's close to you. And so we, we see in two phrases some nuances uh, that help us understand that wisdom is supposed to be someone that, something that we draw close to ourselves and cling to and that we're intimate with, close with. We also have antithetical parallelism, which is a contrast. Proverbs 10.1 is an example of a, a proverb that uses contrasting phrases. A wise son makes a glad father. Amen. But a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. And you see a contrast there that deepens the impact of the proverb. So not only do we see the positive, that that a wise son glads the father, but we see the negative when we act foolishly, the effect we have on, on our parents. And then finally, the third kind of parallelism, synthetic parallelism, Um, It builds or expands the thought in the second phrase. Familiar verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, but verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him. That's the first phrase. And he will make straight your paths. It's expanding on it. It's saying the result of the first one. And so they're still connected. The two phrases are always connected. The challenge as you read it, or the fun is, I actually enjoy it, the fun as you read it is to figure out how they're connected, what they're trying to say. So Proverbs follow the principles of poetry. Also, look for the circumstances this, this proverb is true of. In your notes, I have Proverbs 26, 4, and 5, a classic example out of Proverbs. Verse 4 says, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Number 5 says, Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Wait a minute. Those two verses say the opposite thing. One says, don't answer a fool according to his folly. The next one says, answer a fool according to his folly. Again, these are general truths. And so when you read something like that, you you know right away there are different circumstances that those two proverbs are, are accurate in. And they're both given there to try to give a breadth to sometimes you answer, sometimes you don't answer. So so let's take that one, for instance. Verse 4, Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. 
what, what could you see as some circumstances that that would be true for, that you don't answer the fool, that you don't get into it with him? You can talk back. <laughs> Politics during a Thanksgiving dinner coming up. <laughs> okay, and, and mostly because that gets adversarial. And the fool is trying to, to make it adversarial, and then, then if you enter into that, that happens as well. Good. Any other, any other ways that you could see applying that proverb? Okay? And it just isn't going to do any good to answer them. You're just going to lower yourself and, and, and enter into the fray yourself. But what about verse 5? Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So what, when, when would something like that be true? Ah, because the goal here is for them to understand that what they're saying is foolish. Not by argument, but, but by some other answer. Good, okay. Anyone else? There may be times outside of a heated argument where you can answer. Um, there may be times that it's important to answer, like, like parents to a child. If, if the child is saying something in complete folly, there's a responsibility there to help them understand um, what they're really saying. So Proverbs must be read as a collection, but look for the circumstances that this proverb is true of. So look at more than one. Um, moving on to Job. In your notes, there's some breakdowns of chapters. You can read those. That's for um, more resource. Job is something we would call speculative wisdom instead of proverbial wisdom. Job is not a series of maxims that, that just are all over the place. Job is really speculating what is the bigger meaning of life in terms of where is God when we suffer? Where is God when we don't understand what's crashing down around us? And so this is sort of an answer to the exception to Proverbs. Okay, Proverbs says if you live rightly, this will happen. Well, Job did live rightly, and his life fell apart. And so Job is, is a, a wisdom book exploring why the general principles didn't, didn't work in this case. And so it answers questions like, why do the righteous suffer? Um, will they worship God even though they suffer? Is God still on the throne? And you see a marvelous exploration of, of man's wisdom answered by God. Answered by God in the end that says, you know what, the wise person will not have to know why. The wise person may never know why, but rather the wise person trusts the God who does know why. And, and we see a, a, a whole book that is wisdom on, on suffering and God's um, work in that. Ecclesiastes. It's the next book. And this is another speculative wisdom book and this, this book explores, okay, yes, Proverbs is a lot of general principles, but if you apply those general principles alone, without Christ, without, without a relationship with Christ, without God's wisdom, where does that lead you? And so you see how the wisdom books are really just expanding our understanding of how to use general wisdom, what about the exceptions. And so you see the author of Ecclesiastes, a, a depressing book at times if you read it, exploring the fruitlessness of life without God and, and wisdom without God, quote-unquote wisdom. Because without a wise and good God and just God, it's vanity of vanities. All is vanity. The end of Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 12, 13, and 14 says, the end, the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and with every secret thing, whether good or evil. And so after this whole book exploring man's wisdom, fear God and keep his commandments. 
So when you read Ecclesiastes, you need to know that going in. Otherwise, you could come into some really odd principles out of Ecclesiastes earlier if you're, you're thinking that it's saying you should pursue the world's wisdom. You need to know the type of wisdom literature, how it ends, to understand how to interpret that book. Finally, Song of Solomon. Um, this is lyrical wisdom. Some people put this into poetry. Most of the authors put it into wisdom and say it's poetic wisdom. So it, it's in between there. But this really is talking about the wisdom of marital love. The wisdom that God, ha- how to, to approach marriage with wisdom, how God intended marriage to be. And so one of the things with, with Song of Solomon, uh, attempts over the years have been made to allegorize it because, oh, the Bible can't talk about uh, marital relations and, and what, it, what that should look like in marriage. But we really have to take it for what it says. It's a collection of love poems between a husband and wife. And boy, do we need wisdom in marriage? Do we need, do we need insight and, and, and help in marriage? Absolutely. And so it's a great book for a married couple to read to say, okay, what can we learn about wisdom of how to, to dote on each other and treat each other and enjoy each other? Um, and so it's poetry. Take it as a series of love poems. Um, it gives romantic wisdom in marriage and the wisdom of saving sex for marriage, enjoying that in the context of marriage and why, why God considers that wise. So then how do we read wisdom literature? And these are the, the same categories that we've talked through with every genre, but with um, a little bit of different things to think about with these genres. The first is observation. What do I see? And some of the things you want to write down with wisdom literature is look for figures of speech. Again, a lot of figurative language is used, so write that down. Look for figures of speech. Those are intended to teach, teach a lesson. Also, look for parallelisms. We, we talked about three. It's fun just as you look at individual Proverbs to look, okay, what kind of parallelism is this? What is the author trying to accomplish? We deepen our understanding of God's word there. And look for pictures you don't understand or that may seem cultural. Some of the figurative language that you're like, what? Like Proverbs 12:27. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will, will get precious wealth. Now, this we might be able to really understand this week because we have game that we're going to be roasting on Thursday. But picture what they, for them, and, and this helps us understand that the slothful person might go out and hunt and, and catch some sort of game and then come back and not clean it and not roast it. So what happens to his catch? It spoils. It goes bad. And so the proverb here, when we start to understand the picture, is that the the slothful person loses everything because they don't take care of it. So look for those pictures. In the observation phase, you're really just writing them down. In the interpretation phase, then you look up resources and, and find out what it means. And so the next phase is interpretation. What does it mean? Remember to interpret wisdom literature in light of the specific book context. In Proverbs, are there any other Proverbs about this topic that can round out my understanding? Like I said, in Ecclesiastes, remember that this is the author talking about vanity of vanities, what doesn't work, before he finally concludes what does work. Um, And so understand the book context. Interpret wisdom um, in light of the overall biblical context. Does the New Testament talk about the same principles? Compare it with other scripture. Because again, a proverb is a short maxim, that we're intended to dig and find other information with and to understand it. 
Then for each segment um, of wisdom literature, write down in one or two sentences the, the answer to the overall question, what does this segment mean? And finally, look for the historical cultural context. That answers the question in, in point one of what pictures don't you understand? Proverbs 15.24, it's better to live in the corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. Now, we think of that, and we think, you know what, the corner of my, of my roof is really hard to live on. I would rather live inside. That, that makes a, you know, but for them, keep in mind, the construction of their houses had flat roofs. And, and the roof was an area of congregating, and there were stairs up to the roof. And so it, it's, he's, he's saying, get away. A more applicable thing to us would be, it's better to go live in the garage than to, to live with a quarrelsome wife. And so that helps us understand the picture there when we understand the historical and cultural context. And finally, application. How does it relate to um, and what do I do? I think this is, this is easier with wisdom literature because it's very practical. It applies to life. If it says, don't lie, then don't lie. I mean, it, it, so, so we have some direct application, but it's good to dig a little bit. Um, look for the biblical truth. Um, identify the theological principle in the Old Testament context. Um, it's always good to ask um, the question of, is this true in the New Testament as well? Does the New Testament add to this, expand on this? But also then to look for eternal and cross-cultural principles. Okay, how does this apply? Um, how does the, the instruction about being slothful and the slothful roast his game apply to me? It doesn't mean I should roast my game right away for me, but the application, the principle is to take care and to be diligent with what God has blessed you with. And so that then applies very well to, um, to our lives and how we can put that into practice. So some questions there. What timeless truths are present? How can you apply these truths today? And so those are questions you'll ask. Um, what does this passage tell us about wise, skillful living? What general pattern or truth is there? What specific behavior does this challenge us to embrace? So that's wisdom literature. And the best thing with wisdom literature is actually to try it, to, to dig in and start exploring Scripture. And so we're going to do that in, in groups again. We're going to put it into practice, and I have a number of Proverbs, we're going to limit our, our time today to Proverbs, that all talk about one theme, but I'm hoping that it gives us a, a taste of what's going on with, with a variety of Proverbs, and looking for principles of how to interpret those, how to apply those, and there's a series of questions you can ask. 